Bibles and go to Exodus chapter 18 this evening. Exodus chapter 18. Oh, I enjoyed that choir special. I like that old church choir. You know, uh, one of the things that I find to be the most difficult is clapping in time. That's why I'm not against hand clapping in church. I just can't do it very well. I actually had people in the choir one time tell me that I got them off rhythm when I was trying to clap. And so I am impressed that they were able to clap in unison like that. So good direction there, Brad. And uh, Maybe one day I can learn how to clap like that. <laughs> I'm probably closer to clapping than I am singing, so we'll, we might take that step first. This evening we're going to pick up in uh, verse 13 and read through the end of the chapter, and the title of the message tonight is Delegating Leadership. Exodus eighteen thirteen, and it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning until the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning unto even. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away, both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons." And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge, so shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee do so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifty, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons. The hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went in his way into his own land. Let's pray. Dear Lord, once again, it is our privilege and our honor to gather together as a church, as a local body of Christ tonight. So thankful, Lord, for your provision of this assembly and how that you instituted this on earth years ago and that we get to enjoy the benefits of it even today. Father, I pray that hearts would be encouraged and that spirits would be strengthened. And I pray, Lord, that you would just... Give your people what they need for this week ahead of them. Father, I pray and ask that you would help us to understand more about leadership structure in, in your work and that we, Lord, might share the load together. And 
carry out the task that you've given us to do. Lead me tonight, Lord. Help me to make it plain and not confusing, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, I told you a couple of weeks ago that we could really take almost everything in the book of Exodus and, and file it under one of three categories. There's three major things besides redemption and deliverance. There's these three major themes that run throughout the entire narrative of Exodus. They are problems in the land. We see that repeatedly, whether it's a water problem or a food problem or an enemy problem, there's problems in the land. We also see pictures of the Lord all throughout Exodus. God is giving us these, these prefigurements of himself, uh, whether it is in the sacrificial lamb, the atonement uh, of the blood, or the water that comes from the rock, or the manna from heaven. And then we catch profiles of the leadership. Moses is an amazing leader. He is the man that God called and equipped and tasked to lead his people out of Egypt, take them through the wilderness to the promised land. He is the one that through whom God gave his law that would become the constitution uh, and uh, governing document for the nation of Israel. In fact, that's why you find Moses engraved on some of our state buildings at our capital. It is because he is a famous lawgiver. I think you can see from this text of scripture how they structured their matters of courts, settling disputes, how that there were lower courts and higher courts and then going to the supreme court. And so this has had a major impact, not just on the nation of Israel, but also on nations around the world. And what we catch tonight has to do with a profile in leadership. We're not dealing necessarily with a problem in the land or a picture of the Lord, but we are getting a profile of leadership. If you remember in verses 1 through 12, we saw the power of a personal testimony when Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, came for a visit. He brought Moses' wife and children back to them once they were out in the wilderness, nearing to the place where uh, his father-in-law lived. And when he came, Moses testified to his father-in-law of the things that the Lord had done, the plagues and the miracles and, and, and taking care of the enemy. And if you remember, the, the power of that personal testimony was so strong that, that this father-in-law, who is a priest of Midian, actually made a confession of faith in Jehovah Elohim as being the greatest God of all gods, and he offered a sacrifice to uh, Jehovah. Now in the second half of this chapter, Jethro observes how Moses spends all day dealing with personally or dealing personally with all the issues of the people. That next day they get up and he just observes what Moses' daily routine is. And Moses has this endless line of people coming to him from the morning until the evening uh, dealing with large issues and small issues. Sometimes it's personal disputes, uh, different things like that. And it is interesting because Jethro comes with fresh eyes, if you will. He, he makes an independent third-party observation. You know, sometimes when you're in the middle of something, you don't see it very clearly. You're just, you're just doing what you've got to do. Moses has people showing up. What do I do about this? What do I do about that? And he just goes into leadership mode, and he starts taking care of those issues. The people who are doing it, they wait in line, and it works, I guess, for them, and so they don't think about it. But here's Jethro who comes in with this fresh perspective, and he's a, he's a third party. He's, he's not Moses. He's not the people. He's not there for a judgment. And, and he makes an observation 
about it, about Israel's leadership structure, and he offers counsel to Moses about delegating leadership. And that really is uh, the, the content of this text of Scripture. It is the idea that leadership is being delegated to others or responsibility is being delegated. And it serves not only a purpose for the nation of Israel, but I think for all of God's organizations and entities uh, that would come after this. And it helps us tonight as a church to think about leadership and how that, that leadership is to be delegated uh, to others. And so, uh, number one, seeing the need in verses 13 through 18. Notice what, uh, what Moses' father-in-law says. He says in verse 17 that the thing that Moses is doing is not good. Well, what do you mean this is not good? I mean, it's a good thing. He's providing leadership. He's settling disputes. He's telling them what God's ruling is on that. And, and that's not what Jethro is talking about. He's not talking about the, what Moses is doing good. He's talking about the way that Moses is doing it. And he goes on to explain that in verse 18. He says, you will surely wear away. You'll wear away. You'll wear out. You'll wear yourself out and you'll wear these people out if you keep getting this log jam uh, of leadership every single day. You can maintain it for some period of time, but you're going to wear out. The people are going to wear out. He goes on to say this, this thing is too heavy for you. It's too heavy for you. Uh, it's more than you're going to be able to carry. And then he says this, that, that you're not going to be able to perform it thyself alone. And so his diagnosis, his observation is, is first of all, that Moses is overworked. He's overworked. And you know, as you think about that, now, that is a danger that happens to anybody who has leadership ability or leadership initiative. I mean, when they step in and step up or take on a position or have a role, if they are proficient about it, uh, then a lot of times they'll get a lot more things thrown on their plate. Isn't that the age-old complaint in the workplace? You know, well, the hard workers, they, all, they never get treated right. They just expect more and more out of them. But then you got these lazy people over here that don't do anything, and there's nothing more ever expected of them. Well, that's one of the hazards of leadership. That's one of the hazards of being proficient at what you do. And the leader does what God is gifting him to do. That is to try and lead the people that he's giving him. And so Jethro just stops and says, hold on, Moses, you, you're overworked, man. You're, you're doing too much. You're not going to be able to maintain this pace. He goes on to say that Moses is overloaded. It's too heavy for you. This is too heavy for one person to bear. You know, that is interesting. Uh, as you think about leadership, leadership is responsibility. It is taking responsibility for other people or for other things. As I've thought about pastoral leadership down through the years, I have thought of it in those terms that it is a, a weight or a weighted jacket that you put on that only the person in leadership knows the weight of it. And while there are other positions that I don't know the weight of, I have worn the weighted jacket of a pastor for almost 20 years. 
And what I know is that at sometimes it is heavy because sometimes you feel responsible for many people, whether or not you're directly responsible for them or not, or you're just helping carry the burden, that that can be a heavy load sometimes. And so what Moses, his father-in-law, is observing, he says, Moses... You are dealing with everybody's issues. Everybody who has issues is coming to you, and you're having to process that. And when you leave for the day, you don't leave that behind. You don't clock out. You don't forget about that. You carry that with you. You have that weight that is on you. And so Moses, father-in-law, says to Jethro, or Jethro says to Moses uh, that this is too heavy for you. You're overloaded. And then that third observation is that he's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed. That last phrase there in verse 18, he says, For this thing is too heavy for thee, thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. You know, uh, when you look around, you will notice that oftentimes there are people in leadership that go through something that has been called a burnout. And... You may not be able to notice it happening for a while. That person may seem like they're a high-capacity leader. They're able to get things done. You think that they handle it with ease and they are built for this. But inside, the pressure is building up. And when it gets to the point of being overwhelmed, there have been many leaders who have had nervous breakdowns. There have been many leaders who have made major life changes simply because they had become overwhelmed with what they were doing. Now, I know, I know what I'm doing here tonight, and I want to put you at ease. I'm not feeling any of those things. I'm getting ready to go on vacation, and I'll tell you, I'm a little depleted. I've been through a lot. You guys know. Uh, my mom's passed away. My, my, my son's graduated from high school. I mean, these are all some major things. And so I'm a little depleted. I'm a little tired, but I'm not depressed. I'm not discouraged. I'm not quitting. I am preaching at one of the churches I started when I go back to Colorado, but it's not in view of a call. Although the pastor did just resign, so uh, don't, don't, don't get worried about that. I'm not looking for somewhere else to go. I'm not preaching this message because I'm trying to send you a code uh, that I'm needing help. I, I'm just simply trying to take us through this text and say, okay, let's understand something about leadership. Leadership is necessary. We have to have leadership. God ordained leadership. He ordained leadership in the home. He ordained leadership in the country. He ordained leadership in the church. And so we have to have leadership. But we also have to understand that that leadership burden needs to be shared. It cannot be carried by one person or just a couple of people because it will overwork them, overload them, overwhelm them if they continue on doing that way forever. And so Moses' father-in-law makes that observation. And then he offers this counsel as to what Moses should do in verses 19 and 20. He says, hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward that thou mayest bring the causes unto God and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. And so what Moses' father-in-law is not suggesting that Moses quit doing everything that he's doing. He is saying, hey, you, you still maintain 
your leadership position. You're still the lead leader, and you bring the causes of the people to God, and you bring the causes of God to the people, but you need to bring some more structure to this. You need to train the people. And so the first thing he says is that you need to teach them the laws and the ordinances of God. Teaching is more than telling. Moses had been telling on a one-on-one basis when somebody came up and said, well, we had this dispute about this animal and, you know, I don't know what is owed to me. And so Moses would say, well, here's, here's the ruling on that. Here's the law on that. So he was doing a lot of telling one-on-one. And what Jethro suggests is, hey, Moses, what you need to do is implement a, a teaching structure on the law. You need to teach the whole nation these things. And so part of leadership is education. It is educating the people that you lead. It is teaching them the things of God. Because a lot of the stuff that's probably coming across Moses' plate could have been resolved by themselves if they knew what God's policy or word was on the matter. And so he needs to teach the people. And as you walk throughout the Bible, you will find that God has always placed teachers and preachers and prophets among his people. In fact, when you start reading through the Old Testament narrative and you find when the kingdoms are in decline, that it even states it, that there was no teaching priest in the land at that time. Well, you stop teaching God's people what God has said, and it's going to create a lot more chaos for the people who are trying to lead. And so he suggests that they begin teaching. And then he says not just teach them the ordinances, but show them the way wherein they must walk. Show them the way. You're not just telling them why, but you're also showing them how. Here's here's how you can live your life in a way that will avoid this altercation or that problem. It, It is in some ways modeling it if you will. And so not only does the leader instruct and educate and teach, but the leader also has to model these things for the people and practice those things so that they can be demonstrated and give them instruction. And then the third suggestion that he makes is to involve them. Show them how they're supposed to walk in the way, but also show them the work that they are supposed to do. Hey, you know what, it is interesting observation that when people are idle, they seem to come up with a lot more complaints, right? I mean, they don't have anything to do but to look around and see what's not being done. But you know what I've discovered is that when people are working, there's a lot less complaining going on. Because they understand that this is a massive job. We're all trying to work at it, and I'm doing my part, and my part's not perfect. Even though I try it, there's still problems. And so you become a lot more sensitive to complaints when you're involved in the work. And all of a sudden, if Moses is teaching these people and saying, hey, look, you've got a responsibility here. You're supposed to be a contributor, not just a consumer then all of a sudden that's going to lighten the load of the people who have to hear these disputes and take up these issues. And so part of the job of leadership is to get people involved in the work of God at some level. 
Even, even in the structure that is laid out here, we find that there are different levels or capacities of leadership. They are rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten. Hey, some people can't handle being in charge of a thousand people, but they can handle being in charge of ten people. You know, I remember when I was first called to be a senior pastor. I had been an assistant pastor, and, and I really wanted to be an assistant pastor for a longer period of time because I, I knew that there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know. And one of my great fears was, was pastoring a church like this one, a church that had a long history and had had many pastors who were much better than I was and, and, and that I would step into a role where I'm trying to fulfill the expectations of the man or the men who came before me with all of that experience. You know, God was so gracious to me that my first assignment as a senior pastor was not in an established church uh, that had over a century of history and had wonderful pastors who had preceded me, but God paired me up with a brand new church that was just starting, that had no other pastor before and only had about 10 people in it, which was about all I could handle starting out. And then God allowed us to grow together, and I believe now, looking back, after being here for seven years, part of that was my preparation to then become the pastor of a church that was over 130 years old, uh, that had had numerous uh, pastors, and to understand uh, how to manage those things and to step into that role. And so, uh, you know, God doesn't expect everybody to do the same thing. And he's not going to judge the rulers of ten based on their production compared to the rulers of thousands. He simply wants each of us to be involved in the work at the level that he has put us in at, the capacity that we can handle and that sort of thing. Can I tell you this? I figured this out a long time ago. Is that, is that, uh, that, that my capacity has this limitation cap on it that, that I can only keep up with so many people. And if I don't have somebody helping me, then, then, then the church I'm going to be able to pastor is going to be about this big, right? Uh, because that's all I'm going to be able to keep up with. But if I've got uh, solid people like Brian and like the deacons and like others who are taking it up, then all of a sudden my capacity to lead is enlarged because I have other people leading with me. But if it all falls on the one person, then you're going to limit it to what that one person can handle. And, and, and each man is different. Some can handle a lot by themselves and others cannot. And so here Moses teaches the people to be involved in the work. And then we find this sharing of the responsibility in verses 21 through 23. Moses' father-in-law goes on to say this, moreover... Thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetous, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of ten. Let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in 
peace, sharing the responsibility. Uh, notice the qualifications that are there. While they are not exactly the same, they are the same type of qualifications that you find for leadership throughout God's history in the Bible. It is not the smartest, it is not the most successful, it is not the wealthiest, it's not the most prominent, it is able, it is fearing God, it is men of truth, men who hate covetous, men who won't be bought, whose morals or judgments are not for sale. Well, you go into the New Testament and you will find the qualifications for the pastor are similar. They are character traits that he is supposed to be a man who is not given the filthy lucre and wine and those sorts of things, but that he is supposed to have these godly traits. When they are to look out the deacons, the first deacons in Acts chapter 6, they are supposed to look out men of, men of good report, full of the Holy Ghost, that they may be able to point over this business. So these are the type of leaders that God is looking for, not the most well-trained but the ones who have godly characters. Why? Well, because leadership is responsibility. It's responsibility. Able men, responsible men, men who will take responsibility for these things. You know, what I have observed in my time as a pastor over the last 20 years is that there are a lot of people who don't want any more responsibility. Now, I, I get that. I sympathize with that. I'm not looking to be put on any more boards. I'm not running for any offices, right? We're getting ready to elect a new president of the Southern Baptist Convention. There was a time in my life when I thought, man, that's something I'd like to do. I tell you right now, it is nothing I'm interested in. I don't want that responsibility, right? I've got everything I can handle right here. But sadly, there is a deficit of leadership in the local church because there are people who simply don't want to take on any more responsibility. I know that life is stressful. I know that we all have responsibilities at work and responsibilities at home and that sort of thing. But leadership requires responsibility. It has to be people who are willing to take on a little extra more. Right? No one person should be carrying it all, but many hands make light work. If we all come together, we do our part, we take on a level of responsibility, then things run much smoother. That word, by the way, that he uses there for able men, the Hebrew word, is also translated virtuous in Proverbs 31, right? Who can find a virtuous woman? That word virtuous and able is the same Hebrew word. And so able men, virtuous men, Paul described them as faithful men. Remember Paul's advice to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Why? Because leadership is responsibility. And we have to be willing to take on responsibility. Not only that, we discover that leadership is stewardship. Leadership is stewardship. Hey, Moses, not only are you going to find these able men who will take responsibility for this task, they also have to take on a stewardship. They have to understand that they, they are uh, doing God's business with God's people. They're not made to be judges so that they can get themselves more standing or so that they can 
pad their pockets or so that they can rule over their many kingdom. No, they are simply a steward of God. They are entrusted with the leadership of his people. And I'm telling you, leadership, biblical leadership is stewardship. It is the understanding that we say, you know what? I'm taking on responsibility, but it is a responsibility that God has given to me. I'm responsible for running this thing or leading this thing the way that God wants it to go. Paul spoke also to this point in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 when he said, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You know, as you think about that, there is a stewardship. This, this is Christ's bride, not mine. The church is the bride of Christ. My job, my job is not to win the heart of the bride. My job is to point the heart of the bride to Christ, to their groom. You know, sadly, there seems to be a lot of ministers today. Maybe I shouldn't say a lot. There are definitely ministers today who, who want to win Christ's bride to themselves. They want to be the one that everybody is in love with. That's not stewardship. Stewardship is caring for the things of another. And that's what biblical leadership is, and that's what these men had to do. Look, it's not your decisions that you make. You're making God's decisions based upon God's laws. You're issuing these dictates. And then leadership is accountability. Leadership is accountability. You see, these men were not turned loose as, as independent contractors to do what they wanted with no oversight. There was an accountability structure and it went up the chain. And anybody who's going to be in leadership has to understand that there is an accountability that we have and ultimately, that accountability is to God. He's going to call us in and hold us accountable. Do you remember that story that Jesus told in Luke 16 about the unjust steward? It says in Luke 16 too that he called him in and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. And the story goes on, and this man is called into an account, but that's a sobering reminder for any person who would take leadership in God's organization, in God's church, or in Israel of old, to realize that there's an accountability that we face. Romans 14 says this, We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. And leaders in God's church, have a particular accountability. As Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. Oh, as we come to this understanding of leadership, as Jethro encouraged Moses to share that leadership, it also came with the understanding that anybody who had leadership delegated to them had a responsibility delegated to them, had a stewardship delegated to them, and had an accountability delegated to them. And so they were not to enter into this lightly or unadvisedly, but that it was to be taken with great care, great concern, with a true heart that seeks the will of God 
each and every day for the responsibility of leadership. You know, as a pastor who has the responsibility to lead a church, Hebrews 13 oftentimes comes to my mind to realize I'm going to give an account to God. I'm going to give an account to God for how I pastored while I was here. And because of that, because of that, I cannot water down God's word. I cannot bow to cultural conformities. I have to stand on what God has said because ultimately my accountability is to him. It doesn't matter to me what the public opinion is of me as a pastor. My primary concern is what is my Lord going to say when I stand before him one day and I give an account for the leadership responsibility that he gave to me. And so no wonder Moses' father-in-law gave him that advice and that counsel and said, man, you've got to delegate some leadership. You've got to spread this around. You will not be able to hold this all by yourself. It will wear you out. It will wear them out. You will fail at your responsibilities if you try keeping to, to do this. You will become a poor steward because you can only manage so much by yourself. And man, you are inviting a reckoning into your life when you come into accountability before the Lord. Now, there is some difference of opinion on whether or not Jethro's advice was of the Lord. People say, well, this was some... This was some pagan priest, even though he may have made a confession of faith. At best, he's, he's a new believer, and, and maybe he's simply offering Moses some worldly strategy. And you'll read some commentators who may say something like that. And I would just point out to you that God later confirmed this council, this council of Jethro, in Numbers chapter 11. Look with me, if you would, in Numbers chapter 11. While it's separated in our Bible by a couple of books, it actually happens within the same year. In Numbers chapter 11, Moses has not been doing very good at delegating the authority, and uh, he's, he's been overwhelmed, to say the least. There's been some problems in the land, some trouble in the camp, and, and look at what he says in Numbers eleven fourteen, he's speaking to God here, and he says, I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that exactly what Jethro had told him? You can't do this alone, Moses. It is too heavy for you. Now, watch, Moses is on the point of burnout because I've never seen a prayer request like this before there is one that comes after it from Elijah verse 15 Moses prays sincerely to God and if thou deal thus with thee with me kill me I pray thee that's an extreme prayer is it not I prayed for a lot of things but I ain't never asked God to kill me to get me out of the situation that I was in now I may have entertained the thought of him doing something to somebody else but I'm, no, I'm just kidding but you have to understand that, that Moses is praying. I mean, this is just transparency at its clearest. And Moses has been carrying this, this burden of leadership too much on his own shoulders. 
And he's gotten to the point where he says, God, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. I would rather die than go back out there and try to do, lead this by myself. Watch verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone." God never intended for anyone to do it alone. It was always meant to be a delegated leadership. And when it is delegated, it is manageable. When it is delegated, it is more effective. When it is delegated, more can be accomplished for the kingdom of God with less drama and less problems. No one can do it alone. We must bear the burden together. And so, as you know, we have recently asked the church to submit nominations for new deacons. We have three deacons who are retiring. They have done a wonderful job of service. And the church uh, made many, many nominations that came in. And we've got a quality list of men uh, to choose from. And so what I would ask you to do as a church is to spend this next month praying about that, praying for these men who would be brought before the church to be approved by a vote, to take that leadership position in our church. Because the fact is we need leadership delegated among the pastors, among the deacons, among the trustees, so that we can fulfill the responsibility that God has given us here. And so leadership, delegated leadership, is crucial to the success of God's program. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the gift of leadership. Oftentimes, Lord, I have found in my own life that the leadership position that you place us in stretches us, causes us to have to reach further and dig deeper than we thought we could. And the graciousness of your gift is that it is not we who do it, but your spirit who is in us, and that we find that you have already equipped us for the role you want us to have. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray for our nominees. I pray for our current deacons as we move forward in this process. And we seek to find more men who will be willing to take on this shared responsibility, this stewardship, this accountability for leadership in the local church. Lord, I know I can't do it all by myself, and I'm so thankful that I don't have to. So Lord, I just pray and ask that you would give us the leadership and the guidance that we need to find the right leaders to share this load and to advance your kingdom. Thank you for this wonderful story in Scripture. 
that reminds us of the fact that you have equipped others to help in this leadership responsibility. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.